They will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Tear down this wall. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. That the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. From the Political Science Department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger, and this is 1050 Bascom. Today on 1050 Bascom, we are extremely grateful to have the opportunity to talk to Gavin Luter, Managing Director of University Alliance at UW-Madison. University Alliance connects education, service, and research activities across UW-Madison with cities. Gavin, who previously served as the Director of the Wisconsin Campus Compact, has expertise in K-12 urban school improvement, community-based participatory research, the Wisconsin Idea, Urban History, and Community Schools. He received his PhD from the University of Buffalo in Educational Administration, a Master's of Science in Higher Education Administration from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and a Bachelor's of Arts in Public and Urban Affairs at Virginia Tech. Today, we'll be asking Gavin about his work and his interests in urban affairs, his work at the University Alliance, and we're going to ask him to share with us some ideas about how students might be able to get involved in on-the-ground research and policy change at the local level. Thank you so much for being with us today, Gavin. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your education and some of the things that you're doing now on the UW campus? Yeah, absolutely. So my my background and my educational background actually just, I feel like like most college students, I went to college and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I did. I thought I wanted to be an engineer, but turns out that uh, I didn't do so well in engineering. So I you know, meandered, tried to find some things that were interesting to me. And it's interesting. Uh, I had a, an advisor at one point who said, you know, I knew I liked dealing with like people and I liked social issues. And I was always kind of drawn to, you know, talking to people about controversial issues and uh, wanted to be able to fix things, but I didn't know how to make a career out of it. And so I, I looked through the course catalog and found classes that sounded interesting to me. <laughs> and they usually ended up to be in sociology. Then I had a professor say to me, if you want to talk about problems your whole life, go into sociology. If you want to fix problems, go into public affairs. <laughs> and I said, okay, so uh, how do I do public affairs? And so basically I got into the uh, I went to Virginia Tech and I got my undergrad degree in public and urban affairs in public and nonprofit management as a concentration. Um, and at the same time, I was having a lot of great on-campus experiences. So um, I got really interested in how universities can work with college students to better understand public issues and uh, bring the way to the university into helping solve social issues. <clears throat> and so when I, when I kind of went down that path of like working with universities, Somebody said, oh, you know, there's a master's degree called higher education administration. And I said, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Oh, and you can get it paid for, you can get an assistantship. Great, free master's degree. And so I did my uh, master's at University of Tennessee in higher ed administration. You know, a lot of people who go into higher ed student affairs, they go into you know, like Greek life and student activities and, you know, academic advising, whatever. 
but I wanted to do something different because I wanted college students to understand public issues. So I actually did an internship with a place called the Howard Baker Center for Public Policy. And I don't know if your listeners would know this, but Howard Baker was a senator from the state of Tennessee, who was the majority leader, uh, Republican majority leader. He was the co-chair of the Watergate Commission hearings. So that's maybe how some students might know about this. But he also helped found the Bipartisan Policy Center, which is actually like a think tank in DC now, at, still active. Tom Daschle, and I'm blanking on the senator's name, I should know, he was the Senate Majority Leader in from Tennessee. Anyway, and uh, he really believed in careers in public service. He wanted college students to get involved in careers in public service, didn't think that was a dirty word, um, and thought it was something to be heralded as, as a, kind of an honorable profession. So I worked there um, and got really involved in uh, college student civic engagement initiatives. I started, started a living learning community at the University of Tennessee for students who are interested in public issues. And our main partner was political science, helping students understand the policy process. But um, there's kind of this formal policy process, like the informal policy process that we taught students about. And then we had a service learning placement in a local K-12 school. That got me exposed to the idea of community schools you know, basically improving a neighborhood and improving the schools at the same time. So that got me interested in starting a PhD program that I went to University at Buffalo and I studied educational administration, K-12 educational administration, uh, looking at school improvement and neighborhood improvement at the same time. And uh, that's what I did my dissertation on. And I was really stunned that the university, you know, we were doing work in the community in Buffalo the university really wasn't invested at all. And I thought, gosh, what a shame that the university is not invested. And then I, you know, start digging in and the structures of higher education really aren't supportive of doing work that advances uh, social equity. Um, and so I thought, well, what kinds of, what kinds of places allow me to change structures of higher education? So I took my first job at an organization called Wisconsin Campus Compact that's trying to advance community-engaged scholarship and community-engaged learning on campus. It actually put me in contact with the Morgard Center for Public Service here and Morgard centers across the state of Wisconsin. I actually got involved in the University Alliance, which is the work that I'm doing here on campus, because they asked me to be on their board because I knew something about community-engaged learning. So that is kind of this long meandering way of saying, like, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I just kept doing things that sounded interesting to me. And I ended up as the managing director of the University Alliance at UW-Madison. And that takes me into the main thing that I do on campus is I basically broker local government, University of Wisconsin partnership. Alliance is striving to be the main point of entry, kind of the the public face, the front door for specifically units of local government who are struggling with issues that are kind of, um, you know, above their capacity and or bandwidth uh, to be able to deal with on their own. So we try to basically broker partnerships with people at UW who can help them address those issues. I know we'll probably get into the university year program later, but that's kind of the flagship program that we run um, that's kind of a structured way of partnering these local governments with UW-Madison. So hope that answers your question. That's kind of a long meandering way of saying that um, I'm doing pretty cool work, I think. What kinds of deals and partnerships are you brokering between the university and some of these local governments? Like, can you get into some of like the nitty gritty or at least 
maybe give some examples of some of the ways that the University Alliance helps out local governments? Yeah, I mean, the the main way that we do it, and, and this is a very, it's a, it's, it's, it's a specific answer to me, but it's going to sound really general to you, but we have this um, university year program that's basically a structured three-year partnership between different units of local government and UW-Madison, structured over three years where we basically, over one year, we get to know the local government and what their needs are. Basically, they articulate to us a list of things that they need help with, things that are stuck, things that are in their comprehensive plans that they just haven't had a chance to really dive into, or it's somebody's pet project, but it's like been sitting on the back burner because it always, it's some, it's an ideal. It's not like a, it's not on fire right now, so they can't get to it. And then, so we spend about a year getting to know them, getting to define the projects, and then turning around and trying to find somebody at UW-Madison, find somebody, find a group of people, classes, a researcher, you know, a program that can basically help them address whatever the issue is. And then we spend that next year after we've made those matches, the students and faculty produce some kind of deliverable, policy recommendations, design drawings and specs, community engagement strategies, data analysis, you know, whatever it is. And then they, we provide that to the local government uh, basically, instead of you as a student doing a hypothetical project, you're doing a real project defined by an actual person out in the community that is a public issue, and then that student produces something or that group of students produce something. That's over the course of a year. And then the last year is we help them think about how do you take ideas into action. So you have a bunch of recommendations and strategies. How do you actually then move those to, uh, to reality? That's kind of a specific way of answering your question, but let me be even more specific and say we've worked with, you know, the city of Monona on a cluster of projects around bike and pedestrian infrastructure, for instance. They came to us and said, we are the city where the sidewalk ends, and we don't like that being known as the city where the sidewalk ends. So could you help us figure out how to take our biking and pedestrian infrastructure to the next level? some students in landscape architecture, some students in planning, some students in business, some you know, students in a variety of different disciplines, help them think about how do you actually take bike and, biking and pedestrian infrastructure to the next level. Then a couple of years down the road, there's a comprehensive set of policies and strategies that now the city of Monona is actually starting to act on, including you know, new biking trails, walking trails, certain infrastructure improvements that they want to do that now they're going to take into account biking and pedestrian infrastructure. At the same time, they asked us about projects and economic development and housing. They asked us for help around how do you communicate digitally with citizens. And then uh, they also asked us about some environmental types of issues that we dug in on. We also worked with Dane County, and we did about 30 projects for them. I'd say in Monona, we did about 35 individual projects. In Dane County, we did about 30. And then Green County, we just worked with, that was like housing, government operations, economic development, water quality, planning and placemaking types of initiatives. We did 50 projects for them. We just did an, an engagement where we worked with Pepin County, which is about three hours away from Madison. And we did you know about 20 projects for them, mostly in water quality, sustainability, and economic development and tourism. Um, marketing. So yeah, I mean, I, I could really, I, I could tell you more about a bunch of those different ones, but that just kind of gives you an idea of the kinds of questions that people are asking us. And 
the way that we typically connect with UW-Madison is that we find a course that already needs uh, students to do some sort of type of project. And we just get the faculty to agree to take us on as the class project, or at least one of the options for students to do. Do you guys ever do work with the Division of Extension? Because I know like uh, Extension does a lot with tourism, a lot, you know, with 4-H and stuff. So yeah, is there is there like a partnership there with the university? Yeah, um, so the University Alliance has an advisory board and Extension is on our advisory board. And, uh, you know, two years ago, I would have said we don't really do much with Extension, but now I would say it's a lot more structured. I mean, very specifically, they have done projects with and for us. I mean, in Broadhead, the city of Broadhead, which is in Greene County, we did a, it was essentially looking at a trade market analysis. And we got a couple of college students in planning and landscape architecture to help them do a business survey, essentially to find out what are the major issues that small businesses are dealing with in downtown Broadhead and how does that translate into opportunities that they might be missing. So Extension does that as a packaged program, like a trade market analysis. And then we basically got them connected with a city where they could then do their work. And then there are all other kinds of examples in the city of Durand this year, which is in Pepin County. Durand wanted a project done around, we know that the school system is, you know, this is them framing the issue. We know the school system is important. But we don't know how to monetize that and actually make it in a way that people totally understand. And usually people understand in terms of economic. So we know that there are formal and informal economic benefits to having a school district thriving in, your, in our city, but we don't know how to do that. So we reached out to one of the extension faculty who did a basic economic return on investment and some, some basic economic analysis on this so they could then turn that over to the city. And then they did like an informal group, uh, kind of a focus group, listening group, uh, listening session, specifically with people who are at the school. And they talked about different ways that they do contribute to the local community. So Extension helped us do that. We did a project around community branding in Durand. And they have somebody who's an Extension. They have a statewide specialist who specifically works on community messaging and branding. And then they combine their initiatives with one of our journalism and communications classes who did a comprehensive tourism uh, marketing strategy. That was a, a Doug McLeod teaches a class called Creative Campaign Messages. And so they, they were our client, but the person at Extension, Kristen Rungi, actually did some of the pre-research that the students then used to turn around and do that. And we have some very concrete ways that we're going to be working in Adams County, very similar trade market analysis, economic development summits, those kinds of things. So I would say really around the community and economic development areas where we mostly dig in, although this year we do have a 4-H extension agent who's also the ag extension agent for Adams County serving as the point of contact for one of the projects around how to usher in sustainability education in the school. Um, and so we're working with the Community Environmental Scholars Program to work with the 4-H agent as well as the local school system. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long answer to your question, but it's mostly because I'm really proud that we have built up a strong relationship with Extension. How has the pandemic and the switch to virtual and blended in-person classes, how has that affected how students might get involved uh, with this project or with projects like these? Yeah, I mean... I, um, I don't have an answer here. 
but I want to say generally, it hasn't affected us too much. Mainly because, as you heard me say, our projects are happening all around the state. And, you know, we were in Pepin County last year, and I can guarantee you that 75% of students never stepped foot in Pepin County, even though they were doing projects that were very beneficial for Pepin County. Now, some, I mean, Doug McLeod's class, we actually went up right before the pandemic and we did a site visit and we talked with community stakeholders and all that stuff. But this year, Doug McLeod's class goes on and we are not going to do an individual like group site. Sorry, we're not going to do a site visit. I think a couple of individual students might be visiting the community. Doug McLeod went up, took some pictures in preparation for their engagement. But, you know, largely, Adam, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy to say it hasn't really changed how we are doing business. I think the bigger issue that it's really presented to us is the, the nature of the kinds of inquiries that we're getting from local governments. And I say that and, and not all the projects are like, how do we do this in the context of COVID? They're not all asking that. But you know, if we thought economic development was a big issue before the pandemic, Economic development is a major issue now because so many small businesses are struggling and we need to figure out how to get back up on our feet. And more people are realizing that they can work digitally and work from anywhere. Hmm, that might open up, open up some possibilities for different smaller communities. So, um, and add to that with the protests around Black Lives Matter and the kind of growing racial consciousness that people have had. And I know this is not exactly the pandemic, but it's certainly it's hard to kind of disentangle what's going on right now in the country, pandemic and racial injustice and uprising. Four communities applied and they asked for help around diversity, equity, and inclusion. That has never happened before. And now that I think the pandemic has gotten everybody to go, hmm, we need to rethink a lot of things. And given the you know, increasing racial, racial consciousness, that it, it, this is a good time to also rethink how we structure our communities to make sure that they are open and welcoming for all people and not just for some. So Marathon County, Racine County, Wanakee, and Milwaukee County have all asked us for help around that diversity, equity, and inclusion area. And that's something that I frankly, you know, one, one of the things that's, that's fascinating about my job, Adam, is that I get to pressure the university to put its money where its mouth is. So, and I hope that makes sense in the sense that like, you know, the University of Wisconsin believes in the Wisconsin idea and, you know, we believe in racial equity and justice. Okay, great. Now we have an opportunity to do some work with partners, prove it. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I don't want to be too much of a contrarian here. I mean, I'm, I'm of course a UW-Madison like fan and I do believe that we are going to rise to the occasion but it's one of these things where I actually put opportunities in front of faculty, staff, and students and say, we have an opportunity to do something really incredible here around racial injustice alongside, alongside some of our community partners. Are you in? And if the answer is yes, heck yeah. The answer is no. The answer is kind of, then the question then becomes, well, why not? How do we need to better structure an opportunity for you to get involved in this stuff? So the nature of my work is really dictated by what our community partners are asking us for. And, you know, sometimes faculty come back to me and they say, oh, we want to work with you again. And we had a great experience. And my answer is, well, it depends on if communities ask us for that again in the future, 
I'll keep you in mind, but I, I hope I hope that we can do something in the future, but it really depends on what communities are asking for. So it's kind of demand driven. I hate to put it in economic terms, but it's really demand driven community engagement where it's not just us as the university coming in and saying, this is the kind of stuff we wanna work on. It's really us listening to what the community needs and then figuring out how we can then work into it. Now, it's not to say that we never have an opportunity to, you know, if we're sitting around the table and we're kicking around ideas and I say, oh, I have a faculty member who can do this. Are you interested in it? They might say, wow, we never thought to ask for that. That's great. I mean, we'd love to work on that, um, but we don't, we certainly don't go in with here's what we want to work on. We go in and we say, these are the kinds of things that we've done before in the communities that we've worked with, but what do you need? Uh, and that's usually what they come to us with. I am extremely excited and happy that we have someone like you doing this kind of work. Can you explain for some of our listeners that might be out of state or might not be Wisconsin residents, what exactly the Wisconsin idea is? Yeah, sure. There's kind of the, the boiled down version. <laughs> and then there's like the expanded version. I'm not going to get the full expanded version, but the, the boiled down version that oftentimes is kind of put into like a little talking point is the Wisconsin idea was an idea of some of the, you know, some of the original leadership of the University of Wisconsin, Van Hays, that said, you know, we believe that the boundaries of the, of the state are the boundaries of the university and that everybody in the public should be feeling the positive benefits of University of Wisconsin. It's essentially a tax funder subsidized think tank for the state. Um, and this is what we should be doing. And that's the kind of boiled down, you know, the boundaries of the university, the boundaries of the state, that's kind of the boiled down tagline. What some of your listeners might be interested in knowing, and maybe even some people who think they know about the Wisconsin idea, but really only know that talking point, what I think they'll be interested in knowing is that the reason that the Wisconsin idea came up is because in the state of Wisconsin, it was a fairly a corrupt governance type state in the sense that it was run by the logging industry and the logging industry really dictated statewide politics regardless of the environment regardless of anything else they were just kind of i mean that again that's a little boiled down as well but i think there were there were concerns about the level of corruption going on in the state of wisconsin and so the wisconsin idea came up also because they wanted like listen i mean all these political scientists who are listening to this podcast probably know that self-government is an experiment, okay? People generally haven't been great at self-government, <laughs> you know, in millennia past, right? So we know that in order to do it better, it's a constant ongoing struggle to figure out how to do it. So the Wisconsin idea was, well, hey, let's take a thing like a university and then figure out how we can then teach people at the local level how to self-govern. And we do that through building capacity, building knowledge, and we do that together. So it's not just research for research sake, it's research to advance locally defined priorities. And I think, you know, it's, it's also hard to really separate the extension movement from this. And the extension movement kind of came up in the early, sorry, the early 1900s, late 1800s. Um, so this is all kind of at the same time that the Wisconsin idea, which was the early 1900s was coming up. So really the Wisconsin idea is about helping people build their capacity for governance and self-governance at the local level. So that's where I feel like our program 
has kind of a really, really nice, like really get back, getting back to the roots of the Wisconsin idea, we are helping build capacity at the local level for self-government. So that's my little primer in like five minutes on the Wisconsin idea. Yeah, that was a, a perfect explanation for people that are might not be familiar with it. Now, I know you also do work with cows. And for listeners, I don't mean cattle. Do you want to maybe explain um, <laughs> what that means? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So it's a think and do tank on campus at UW-Madison. That's what they call themselves. Committed doing values-based type scholarship. So values-based meaning they're advancing, they're trying to advance a society in, in which sustainability, equity, and democracy flourish. Um, and so if those things are not forefront in the work, then they won't do it. So COWS used to stand for, and I, I don't know if Joel Rogers, my boss at COWS is going to be listening. He's probably going to shriek when he hears me say it. It used to stand for the Center on Wisconsin Strategy, C-O-W-S. And given that a lot of our work was happening, not just in Wisconsin, but actually across the state and across the country and sometimes across the world, we thought that Center on Wisconsin strategy was kind of too small. So instead, we just kind of did this kind of like IBM and AARP, you know, they just kind of like dropped what it originally meant. They're just known as IBM and AARP now. In the same way, we just are considered cows. It's because it's kind of cute. You know, I mean, from Wisconsin, cows, ha, ha, ha. But I mean, cows, I, when, I, when I think about what, how do, you, how do you exactly explain what cows is? I've, I've done that very briefly, but, you know, they have national networks of the Mayor's Innovation Project, the State Smart Transportation Initiative that tries to envision a world where it's not just make more highways, but it's instead thinking about a different a bunch of different ways that we could move mass amounts of people across the, the country. And then we also do a fair amount of our own kind of independent uh, scholarship and work. We're probably most well known for, I say most well known, if none of your listeners know it, then they're going to be like, yeah, right. But we do the, the state of working Wisconsin, S-O-W-W, state of working Wisconsin every year. So it's kind of a snapshot of what the labor market looks like in Wisconsin, but we've also done projects like race in the heartland. So, you know, racial equity in the Midwest, what does that look like? Equity in apprenticeship. So how do all people across all different backgrounds, how do they equally take advantage of apprenticeship programs and how does that fuel the local economy? We've also done some work on green jobs and the green economy and what that could look like for a state like Wisconsin or other states. So we do a fair amount of Wisconsin-based type of policy research, but there's also a fair amount of like national networks that we're also uh, running. And your, some of your listeners may know, I mean, the mayor of Madison, Satya Rhodes-Conway, uh, used to be the director of the Mayor's Innovation Project. So it's kind of a group of mayors who are committed to sustainability, equity, and democracy. So yeah, that's cows. And cows just happens to do a lot of work with local governments. And so our you know, our fearless leader, Joe Rogers, MacArthur Genius Award winner, like really, really smart guy, um, has been working on city policy for a long time. He was one of the people at UW who said, hey, we need to be doing more at UW to get us involved in helping cities run well in Wisconsin specifically. So that's part of the reason why I'm based at Cal's. Um, so I'm kind of like part of their staff, but like, you know, I'm kind of an independent arm in the sense that 
the University Alliance is co-hosted by the Nelson Institute, the Global Health Institute, and COWS, as well as our broader advisory board. So it's kind of hard to place exactly where I work, but COWS gives me office space, they give me leadership and guidance, they give me connections that I didn't have before, they give me some supervision as well. So that's COWS in a, in a very brief moment. When you're working with local governments, and especially here in Wisconsin, and especially in 2020, I'm sure you deal a lot with like hyper-partisan local governments or, you know, Wisconsin is just already so politically divided. Does that play into how you guys tackle problems at all at the local level? Or, you know, is, is, there, a, is there a play with that, with your work? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Adam, because I, I'm, I'm constantly an optimistic person, okay? And I do, I mean, of course, the, the world is very polarized, but I say the world intentionally. This is not just the United States of America. This is like the world. And once you get to the local level, it's it's not to say it's not partisan politics because sometimes it is. But once you get to the local level, people are struggling with like, no, really, our water isn't clean. What are we going to do about it? No, really, like our voting, we want to have good voting. Like, how are we going to have good voting? I need my garbage picked up and I need it picked up well. You know, we need to make sure that when we turn on the lights, that the lights turn on, you know, like we need to make sure when we flush the water down the toilet, it comes out the other end, not looking like what it looked like before when it went down the toilet. So these are like very brass tacks kinds of issues. And while there may be partisan divides on how do you approach these things, I mean, generally everybody kind of agrees. We want our city to be prosperous. We want people to live here. We want people to enjoy living here. We want to have good schools, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this is all a function of local government. And given that local government is so close to the people, it's hard to be really, really, really nasty when you're going to the same grocery store as people and you're sending your kids to the same schools. So this is one of the things that I really want your listeners to take away from this is that the national and well, international national politics are very sexy. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of like, oh, it's this side or this side. And like these big, big things are at stake. Da, da, da. Yet oftentimes the solutions to them are so far away. They're so long-term and uh, you know, you could work your whole career working on some issue and you'll never, I mean, th- think about the people who've been working on Middle East peace process, you know, like I'm not saying we should give up. Don't read, read it that way. But what I'm saying is like, you know, imagine an opportunity to be facilitating the Middle East peace process in the Madison Metro Public Schools through interventions that we could do with our diverse students and with ways that we're helping shape students' thoughts. So local government might not be as sexy, but it certainly is a lot more immediate and it's very tangible. And as your listeners probably know, local government elections are nonpartisan elections. So your city councils, your you know, uh, board of supervisors, something like that. People don't run on an R or a D ticket. And I actually like that because it kind of messes with people's minds and it makes people not so easy to peg. So I think maybe if we took some more cues from local government in the sense that like we just want things done and we want it done well, then maybe we have a different future to look at for this hyper-partisan world we're living in. Yeah, that is a... An excellent maxim for that. 
As, as we're running out of time, do you have any advice for students that might want to get into this kind of work that might want to really get their hands dirty and kind of like cows think and do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I would tell them to contact me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a good way in. I will, I will say that with a caveat in the sense that like, I'm not just going to turn you loose and let you do whatever the heck you want to do. I'm going to make sure it's in line with what some of our local governments need. So I would definitely say, look me up, have a conversation. We're also going to be teaching a class in the spring called Welcome to Your Urban Future. Um, and it's hopefully going to give an introduction into what it takes to really make a city run and run well. And we're going to infuse it. I mean, it, it's everything from like basics of city structures, like how do they run, to infrastructure, giving you a very, very brief overview of like the infrastructure needed to you know, health and wellness and recreation, to equity issues going on in the city, to how cities make decisions. It's gonna be a very, very broad overview class. It's like it's gonna be a 200 level course. And so we really hope that students take that class. We're intending it to be a fairly large lecture that can be offered online. So it's not something that students have to show up for if the pandemic is not yet complete um, or it's not winding down at that time. So. I would tell them to, to contact me, take our course in the spring. And then, you know, th th this is the, like, I would also <laughs> tell them to like pressure their faculty to do more community engaged work. Because the more that I get inquiries from faculty to say, hey, I wanna work with you, the easier it is for me to make partnerships happen. So the more we have students demanding that real world application stuff is happening in the classroom the better off our program is going to be the better off our state's going to be i believe the better off the quality of your own education is going to be so i would definitely tell them to do that and they can I mean, the mortgage center for public service is a really great place that's actually advocating for those kinds of things i would also tell them to look at our website so it's university university see what we did there which is kind of clever um, university.wisc.edu. Um, and then if they go to the university year tab, they can actually look at the different courses that we're working with, the kinds of courses that we've typically worked with. And, uh, you know, if you line it up to where you're taking one of those classes, that would be great. We've also had students do independent studies, and we'd love to have students do honors theses and dissertations. The main thing that I'm worried about here, and I know I know this is not you, Adam, it's not any student that's listening to this podcast, but some students say they want to do stuff and then they actually don't follow through on it. So I just need to make sure that I have a lever, like a mechanism to keep you engaged, to make sure that you're getting a grade for it, credit for it, or that you found like a way to do a paid internship and do it with us. I just need to make sure that what you say is going to happen is actually going to happen with that local government, because if it doesn't, we have egg all over our face and the UW-Madison name goes down in reputation if people don't follow through on their commitment. So that's basically, I'm kind of a, a fail safe to make sure that things don't just willy nilly happen, that when we say we can deliver, we actually can deliver. So I think if your students really sit down and think deeply about what can I really offer in line with these things that local governments need. And then you can find a way to structure an internship or an independent study or uh, an honors thesis or dissertation, you know, something like that. If you're a grad student, you're doing a master's thesis or dissertation as a PhD student, we'll find a way to get you plugged in. 
it's just a matter of making sure that you are involved in some way that I can guarantee gets the work done. You will definitely have to look out for my name in that intro city class. Um, <laughs> Great. Do you, Great. Have, love do you have any parting words for students? Uh, listen, I think the reason why I got involved in my profession is because I thought it was ridiculous that colleges kept talking about training students for life after college, but they did nothing to actually, not nothing, of course, I'm oversimplifying here. They did very little to push students out into the world outside of campus. So I would say, force yourself to get out of your comfort zone, engage with community members, and have a stance of active listening, of humility. Guess what? Just because you're 18, 19, 20, 25 does not mean that you know everything, even though you might think that you do. There's a lot of wisdom out there that is not written in any book, but we as the university can get you out there and get those experiences and then have you back on campus and say, all right, let's figure out how does that sit with what you see in the book and get you involved in real critical thinking things. That is never going to happen if you do not challenge yourself to get out there and get in community, do those experiences and then come back, help and get some help in processing those things. All that said, make sure that you are prepared to do that work, that you don't come in with some ignorant views that are going to offend, you know, everybody to just have that stance of humility, have a commitment to making sure the world is a better place um, and do as much as you possibly can do to challenge your way of thinking and do that in the context of community-based learning and volunteerism. I, I, I just think if you're not doing that in college, you're not getting a full experience. Amazing wisdom to leave off on. Thank you so much, Gavin, for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. For more information about 1050 Bascom, visit polysci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. 1050 Bascom is edited by Adam Wigger, produced by Amy Gangle, and recorded remotely for now.